Hello, everyone. Welcome to BYOB Podcast. Great to be back with you. Interesting pod for you this week. Now, as you would have known if you were listening last week, we were just unable to drag ourselves out of Middle Earth. So we are going to talk about the two towers, but because Jack and I have been so useless recently with going to the cinema, I feel like, Jack, you've done a, a film binge this week. You've pretty much seen almost everything, and I've managed to get to cinema as well. So we're going to do a pod for you this week where we slam through four films uh, nice and quickly, and then we'll have a the full episode on The Two Towers because Lord knows there is plenty to say about that film. What if everyone else didn't want to leave Middle Earth, though, Ben? We're, no. we're denying them that. Every everyone is staying in Middle Earth. It's just happening. <laughs> um, uh, how are you? Otherwise, are you recovered yet? You sound slightly better. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm much better. It's been, do you know? It's, it's been. It's, it's been a lingerer. A lingerer. It's. Uh, I still got a little bit of congestion. A little bit, but all right. I've made. Like, I've made up for lost time. I hadn't been to the cinema because of various different reasons, illness and whatever. Just been busy. I hadn't been for about close to a month. Did really. you? Were you getting the itch? Were you missing it? Big time, big time. Oh, um, as, if, as if by magic. As Alex if by Herdy magic. just jumped into the into <laughs> oh, wow. the podcast record. Look at you. How are you, Pud? I'm good, mate. Is how does this work then? We're you all look startled. New... Yeah, well, I've not been headlines. on We're... this UI. <laughs> what, what am I looking <laughs> this at? This is so funny, Pud. We're already recording, <laughs> oh, mate. Sorry. So welcome into the chat. Woo. Got some comments. Then. Have you been to the cinema this week? <laughs> no, no, not not been since October. I don't think. What's <laughs> not been to, yeah. since October? Not even to go and see the new KSI film. No, it's on Netflix on Wednesday. Watch it. <laughs> Sidemen what? unveiled or whatever. What is it? Yeah, what's gone? Give us give us a quick uh, top to bottom of what that's going to no, be. First. No, I've purposely not read anything. I've, I want no spoilers going into it. I watched the trailer. But what's the gist of it? What is it? A scripted thing? Is it's a documentary? It... Okay. Yeah. Oh, I can nice. see you're excited. We... We're we'll, both guests. We'll do a special Jack, on that. Jack, Jack was just I'm saying doing. that, like, that he hasn't been to cinema for like nearly three, four weeks, and I was just asking, did you get the the itch to get back in there? And I very much did. Yeah. And I gave it a good. I gave it a good old scratch. This. <laughs> Did you? This past did you week. go to town on the snacks? I did. Um, I, yeah, I had popcorn on two of the occasions I went to the cinema, actually. I love that. Very naughty. Can I, I'm just going to jump in here as well and just say I went to the cinema uh, to see American Fiction this week and I had the nicest cinema experience. So it's a place called Campus West, which sounds like... Um, did you ever see that film? What was it? It was with Vince Vaughan... And it was um, where a bunch of couples go on holiday together. Couples retreat, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure like Campus West was the name of like the singles island that they escaped to. But it's, it's not that. I can is assure you. some it's sort of dodgy cinema you've gone to, Ben? <laughs> yeah. Is that your way of telling this? Coming into the cinema and if you just leave your clothes in a pile in the corner, that'd be great. <laughs> Men in Macintoshes scratching their legs on the back row, that type of thing, yeah. <laughs> If you just pop your car keys in this bell, yeah. um, no, we um, it was, so I, I went to cinema and it was six quid to see a film, two Ooh, quid for a coffee, and there was about five other people in the cinema, and it was absolute bliss. And I realised about five minutes in how much I've I've missed it. That is just it's something. It's a real highlight of of my week getting to go to cinema. Was it like was it? Artisan, this cinema, or was it? Was it kind of? Was did it have charm because it was? somewhat is dilapidated the right word no, I don't know. like weirdly the opposite so it's is it, their kind of tagline is sort of like cinema done right and it's basically to serve the local area it's okay. not about sort of making loads and loads of cash it's actually part of a kind of campus of things in in the Hertfordshire area for people to go and go to the gym go to the library th- things like that so y- you go into the cinema and there's only three or four screens but it's actually Really competitively priced, nice atmosphere, nice vibe, and I was yeah absolutely buzzed. So I thought, do, do you know what? There's an idea, mate. You've just tapped into there. Go to the gym and go to the cinema. Load of treadmills, big cinema screen there, showing all the latest hits. But you know, I'm People tragic enough that. to do that. I would be tragic. You'd lo- no, you there. would love that, that wouldn't right, you? Right up my. <laughs> <laughs> what does he make of like 
What do you make of fucking the whale, Ben? I don't know. <laughs> fucking sprinting the whole time. Right? Being spots. Yeah. <laughs> that face, like, you know the face I took of you when you were playing the F1 simulator? Oh, my God. Jack and I went to... Actually, Purdy, you were there. Was there. Well, the running we man focus. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I got way too into it. Uh, before we go into this week's films, Purds, you've collated some wonderful comments. I mean, we got oh, an absolute beat we down this week. So here we run go. It, take us Take us through it, Why? Tell me why yeah, I'm a snowflake like and a to... beta male and all that. Go on. <laughs> oh, well, just on that, the first one here is Beta Bob doesn't get it. I assume that's to you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> beta Jack. What was that in reference to? Um, you don't get why they kissed at the end of Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Are you, is Jack Beta Bob? Yeah, yeah. Well, I assume so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't get it because I don't prey on young women, but thanks, <laughs> thanks for your feedback, mate. Cheers. <laughs> so someone said well it's a happier ending in a way a constant longing for the other could have been artistic but a bit sad and pathetic uh yeah but humans are sad it's a very tidy ending exactly yeah the human experience is a sad and pathetic one for the most part that's why it was so ridiculous because you don't people don't do the the long kiss goodbye thing they don't do that that doesn't happen that that's like only one in a million. Someone said it was the long goodbye kiss. That is how things work in the real world. Apparently not to you guys. No, not having Lots that. Lots of people saying it wasn't a sexual slash romantic kiss. Oh, grow up. Come on. <laughs> these are these are the type of people that stick up for... No, I'm not, I'm not going to go. Okay. Well, yeah, it's just loads of snogging ones in it. So I will just wrap. <laughs> we'll finish this saga with. I don't like watching anyone kissing, regardless of age. I think we can all get behind what, on that. On screen, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Or just in just general. in general, I guess. You know, if you is- if you are still if you actually listen to us, if you haven't just responded to a TikTok, if you do actually listen to us, can you <laughs> let us know why? That is. I'm just interested to know. And especially if you are Gen Z, because I hear, you know, you might be able to give us some insight onto this, Paddy. Actually, Paddy, yeah. You Gen Zs don't like a bit of rumpy pumpy on screen. This is what this is what all the, what? the stats do not seem to speak suggest. for me. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's okay. <laughs> Not, but yeah. is that a is that a common concern? I mean, I don't want you to have to speak on behalf of the entire Gen Z worldwide. But is that a thing? I think people pretend to not like it, and then secretly, you know, you see loads of bookmarks on Twitter of like Sydney Sweden, yeah, yeah. you know, ten thousand yeah. bookmarks, <laughs> one like. It's like, come on, lads, we know what you're up to. Someone's someone's bashing a bishop, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, so, like, not me, but I've uh, seen <laughs> people allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that it on the comments front? Or have we yeah, got any more something on heat? One? Someone said it was choreographed by some SAS bloke and filmed. Oh, over that many is a days. very good point. <clears throat> That's a really, really good point. That it was the actual the the scene where they're going through the streets and they've done the bank heist. It was choreographed and it took days to create it. Um, who 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 said that comment, Purdy? Well, Assad Khan said that. I said thank you so much for getting in touch with that, sir, and for not talking about kissing. Um, it, that was actually Snog, snogging. Snogging. <laughs> in the interest of accuracy, right? <laughs> yeah, just face smashing. Um, yeah, that that was a, that was a really really good comment actually. That the whole high sequence took days to shoot, and they choreographed it to sort of almost within an inch of its life. And it, you can really tell. Is there no behind the scenes of that? Back. There must be. Do you know what? We'll have to we'll do a bit of digging for next time. Cool. Purdy, what a pleasure. Thank you so cool. much. Can I have my dinner now? Is that... You can have your dinner. Thank you. Thanks what so are you much. having? Um, it's like a Chinese chicken stir fry. Throw it in a pan Ooh. and it's already seasoned and shit. So. Ooh. There you yeah, go. Easy. Enjoy. <laughs> Top Gen z <laughs> Right. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, it's so wonderfully Gen Z. Right. After that, after that battering that we've just taken in the comments, do you want to start with uh, all of us strangers? Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, all of us strangers. So, all of us strangers. Big hype on this, by the way. Big hype. Big, big hype. hype. I mean, it's you know, Paul Mescal is hot. He's so hot right now, right? Um, him alongside. I mean, he's a supporting role in this alongside Andrew Scott. 
Andrew Scott, who many will know as the hot vicar, the hot priest in Fleabag. Um, but there's much more to him than that. Who plays... Look, it's, it's a British production. Um, and I would imagine fairly low budget. Um, it's based on... The, the film was actually based on a like a Japanese ghost story. Um, and it's essentially... It's, it's a movie about a screenwriter played by Andrew Scott who is trying to write something about his parents who died when he was just a child. Um, they died when he was about 10 years old, I think, 10, 11, 12, around that kind of it, uh, period in the late 80s, early 90s. And he's trying to write something about them, going back into his past. So from his big, lonely apartment in London, he gets the train back into the suburbs, back into the sticks to visit his old family home. And it's when he arrives at his old family home, he sees the spirit, the ghosts, if you like, of his mother, played by Claire Foy, and his father, played by Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot. Um, and he just kind of speaks with them. He talks to them. He catches up on, he catches them up on his life, what he's up to, all the things that they missed out on together because they died when he was a kid. And it's, it's an interesting one because you, you, you're not so sure whether or not this is a literal ghost story or whether this is a writer who is just filling in the blanks. He's trying to work out what the conversation would have been like when he came out to them, for example. Um, and this is all played alongside a story, a blossoming love story between Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. Paul Mescal, who plays a character called Harry, who lives in the same apartment block as Adam, who is who Andrew Scott's character. Um, Harry is a kind of troubled young man. He shows up one day on Adam's, Andrew Scott's doorstep, like really drunk, um, sort of says, look, you know, I've seen you about the building. Come on. We both know, you know, we're kind of giving each other the eye. Do you want to invite me in? And Andrew Scott, you know, because this, this lad's really pissed up at his doorstep. It's like, no, not tonight, but come on. Let's just, you know, let's... Let's just leave it from there. And so you see their kind of love story develop. And you, you, you see, as, as Adam gets further into his material, further into uncovering more and more about his past, how much that starts to affect his present. Um, a lot of feelings and a lot of things that he's maybe internalized for many, many years start to blend in and mesh with his life that seems to be from the outside pretty functional pretty brilliant for a guy that's had such a, a hard start in life to now be a successful writer living in a fairly high-rise decent apartment in london you'd think all was going well for him um and that he's you know despite a tough start in life getting somewhere but you maybe see the the toll that it has taken upon him that he maybe hasn't even noticed himself as he gets closer to somebody, as he forms a new relationship, he starts to fall in love with somebody else again. Some of these old demons, some of these old ghosts that haunt him and he definitely is not free from. Um, I don't really want to say much more than that because it's not even about spoilers and such. The movie is so delicately poised, um, leaving you wondering what parts are real, what parts aren't, that I don't really want to delve into it too much more than that. But that gives you a, an idea of of what the movie is like. Who's uh, who's your sort of MVP who stand out? I think Andrew Scott's brilliant in it. He's He's absolutely... Like he's fantastic, um, and it's it's great to see him. I mean, he's been he, you know he's been in a number of like great things down the years and stuff like that. But I think it's great to see him kind of playing the the leading man in something like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, yeah. really having something that he can he can own and be sort of front and center of, and he he smashes it. He's he's you know I, I think he's I think he's brilliant. I think it's 
it's about time he sort of you know had a had, had a role like this. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot in here. There's a lot in here about. I, I can only sort of paraphrase um, what one of the uh, somebody wrote into Kermode and Mayo's pod about it, um, who essentially said that like this is a great film. It's, it talks about the universal experience um, of trauma, the echoes of trauma, how something that happened a long time ago can still affect somebody who even thinks they're fine but they have certain triggers and whatever that will come back and come back to haunt them if you like um but there's another layer to this that uh, you know that i probably don't appreciate that if you are gay and watching this you will maybe understand this film or at least appreciate it on a on a on another level entirely um so that, that there's a consideration to be had, you know, which. And just in terms of the sort of overarching hype of it. Yeah. You, you, how did you feel coming out of the cinema? Do you, you sort of, because I'm, I, I'll be honest, I, I have seen this everywhere. There's obviously been a big marketing push, not necessarily in terms of the the two lead characters being interviewed everywhere, but I've certainly seen this side of buses absolutely all over the cinema trailers everywhere it's 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 great mate it does it it gives you plenty to think about um it's a fairly again i don't want to set this up to be some kind of thing but there's a there's a fairly ambiguous ending to the whole thing um that will leave you kind of debating that but it's not so much i don't because i don't want to reduce it to like a gimmick it's like wait for the ending and that will get you talking there's plenty within this that will that will give you room to reflect and make you think about your own life make you think about your own childhood experiences that you know one one of the big themes in this other than like you know his sexuality and things like that is the fact that he's now older than his parents were when they died and there's a there's a funny sense of there's there's a, there's one part in particular when he's kind of like asking his parents for advice and his dad saying maybe you should be giving me advice because you're older than me now and he it's it's his kind of way of kind of I guess coming to terms with the fact that his parents maybe didn't handle everything or didn't act in the best way possible when he was a kid but they themselves were pretty young and learning as they went along. And there was a, there's a kind of appreciation of that and understanding of that within the film. So like I say, there are, there are these kind of themes and things that you can take away from it and really leave an impression with you and, 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 and make you think about it. But the, the two of them together, Scott and Paul Mescal are, are great. And Paul Mescal is very much a, a supporting part of this. I know he's sort of front and center in all of the promo material and things. And, it doesn't take a genius to work out why that's the case, but this movie is, it's about Andrew Scott. Um, I've got to give a shout out as well to, uh, to Jamie Bell. Um, I think he, I think he's actually very, very good in this. Claire Foy, who I, who I think is, is brilliant. I don't think, I actually don't think it's one of her best performances, if I'm honest, but she's still, she's still good in it. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's a great movie, and as you know, as I always go on about, and I don't, it's not coming from a Brexit place, but it's a British movie. Get out there, get and see it in cinemas. Support pay it. money for it, support it, support the industry because the British film industry is is teeny tiny, it's minuscule, and it's not it's not well looked after by the people in charge. It's well looked after. It's by hardworking, good people that are passionate and care about the British film industry. Um, and we should all, as as movie lovers, try our best to get our bums on seats and give money and support the British film industry. Um, and it was nominated for uh, uh, Best British Film at the BAFTAs, wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, yeah. So uh, one to get out and watch. Definitely one to see in the cinema, right? I would say so. Yeah, it's it's visually very arresting, and there's a lot of um. I would say there's a lot of sound design in there. I'm not sure who's who's responsible for that. Um, that I think will be very well suited to uh to the kind of you know surround sound thing. You know, it's, like I say, there's there's elements of this being a bit of a ghost story. There's something quite elevated about it. It's a very artistic film. Um, 
So to have that full immersion into it, you're only going to get that in the cinema, right? You know, because you all know what it's like. I love watching movies at home, don't get me wrong, but there's always a... Uh, something different. A, a sneaky look at a WhatsApp. There's always a walk up to the kettle to make yourself a cup of tea, a pause when the postman comes or the Amazon person comes, whatever, you know, like just watching the cinema, be immersed in it, be immersed, lose yourself to the story a bit because it, it, it I think it kind of requires that to really get you. Yeah, I, 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 I totally, totally agree. I sort of had that today when I went to go and see American Fiction as well. Ah, American Fiction, nice. I, I was I was very much aware of the fact that I've seen two or three films that we've spoken about on the pod recently that I've watched at home and there is just no replacement for I think it's a mindset thing mm. I think the moment that you walk into a cinema you're kind of very single track minded you're like I am here to watch a film I'm going to give it my undivided attention yeah. as opposed to having that sort of like ah oh, pop it on you know yeah. and if, if there's an interruption or if we're going to eat or whatever then that's fine because it's there and I, I and I really do I think that's part of the reason why I'm so desperate to make sure that I go to the cinema regularly so that I can actually commit to watching films in a way that I don't when I watch them at home I mean having said that with with Lord of the Rings that we've done over the last couple of weeks I've just been completely head over heels for it it's really really grabbed me and I've at home I've deliberately turned the lights off to watch the film because it's been so sort of um, just you find yourself going deeper and deeper into these films. It sort of almost feels like some weird respect thing to be like, no, 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 this is getting doors closed, phone away, <laughs> lights off, curtains drawn so that I can actually really sort of hone in. On John this. Ronald Tolkien is watching you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From beyond the grave. Um, do you want me, shall I give you a little bit of a, a whiz for American fiction? Please do. It's a film. I'm very sad I've not been able to see it yet. Mate, I, I think for starters, I think you're going to love this. And I will say up front, I sat there and I absorbed every last bit of this. And I had this feeling after about half an hour when I, I was sort of sat there, it, it completely immersed within the film. Um, and I just thought, oh, this is such a relief to be sitting here because I've gone to see some some stinkers over the last six months. And I've definitely had that feeling at times when you go to see a film and you sort of almost get a bit wobbly on the film. Do you know what I mean? You sort of get 20, 30 minutes in, you think, oh, have they ballsed it? Yeah. Is this going to be rubbish? Am I going to be sat here for another hour and a half and then walk out of the cinema and go, ah, that's a bit naff, wasn't yeah. it? And I mean, I, I wasn't worried about this because so many different people have said what a great film it was. But half an hour in, I just had this realisation that it, I really was immersed within the storyline and it had really grabbed me. Um, I'll go so top line on the on the actual kind of plot because I'm going to do some spoilers in a little bit because I want to get into the ending but Jeffrey Wright who I just love I was a big fan of Westworld thought he was brilliant in the in the Hunger Games as well he just for me anytime he's on screen I automatically think of him as a hyper intelligent gonna steal the show kind of guy in whatever character that he that he's playing and did actually you, did you watch Boardwalk Empire I didn't. I didn't. He's brilliant. He plays a character called Dr. Narcisse in that as well. He's he's fantastic. Does he just boss it in that as well? Yeah. yeah. The, and in this, he is playing another really, really intelligent character. He's playing someone that carries himself. Um, not that he's just better than everyone around him. He's just aware of the fact that he's very intelligent. He's also mm. low key. Like he's got, they take the piss out of him in the film for being overweight, but he's low key a bit jacked. Like he's right. actually, yeah, he's actually quite stacked, and you do notice it within this as well. But anyway, he he plays a, a writer who's essentially struggling to get people to invest their time, their effort, and ultimately publishers to invest their money in his work. He writes brilliant pieces of work that people say, oh, it's fantastic, but no one's going to read it. It's too long. It requires too much depth. It requires too much investment uh, of time to actually take in your, your work. So it's kind of taken a bit of a swipe at the publishing community, but it's also taken a swipe at the media landscape in general. So he can't get his books commissioned or, or published, and he decides to basically take the piss out of the publishing community by writing something under a pseudonym or, or an alternative name, that is the, the 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 work that he creates is so dreadfully cliche and in inverted commas 
plaque um, that people, he assumes that the, the publishers are going to read it and feel attacked by him writing something so pathetically sort of low rent and beneath him and clearly taking the piss out of all of the black stereotypes that have kind of snuck under the radar and become mainstream without anyone ever really accepting those things within the the media landscape. So there's a wonderful scene where he starts writing and he's almost laughing at his own ridiculousness where he has, he basically recreates um, the scene between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader uh, as if it was in the hood. So it's a, a young black guy in a vest with a gun confronting an old drunk black guy who looks like a homeless person who then reveals that he's, <laughs> he's the father of the young black guy. And then the young black guy shoots him um, because <laughs> he says, because, because you're nothing, no, I'm nothing. And he just shoots him randomly and then sirens go off and the police turn up. And it is ludicrous and it is bizarre. And you see Jeffrey Wright's character, he's called Monk in the film, sitting there laughing to himself, going like, how pathetic is this? Like, this is just so stupid. Anyway, he submits it to his submits it to his publishing agent. His publishing agent is like, what are you doing? Like, come on, stop taking the piss and give me something to take him properly. He's like, no, 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 they asked for this give it to him and like they can come back and apologize for turning down my previous work of course when it gets sent off everyone comes back and is like this is so raw it's so gritty it's so wonderful mm. we're going to publish we're, we're going to run a, a press of 350,000 books straight away and it's going to be a number one bestseller and it really takes a poke at the the kind of publishing industry, how they all sit there and go, wow, it's just, it's just so real. And it's just about what the, the black experience really is. Of course, what they're really doing is showing their ignorance and showing that the white idea of the black experience is totally. Well, this this is what I was going to say. Is it like a comment on that sort of narrow prism through which totally. the kind of stereotypical white liberal views a black person. Exactly. And I mean, it, do you know what it, it, there's shades of, and it will remind you a little bit of his get out. Okay. You know, the barbecue scene in get out, it's, yeah. it, it's very similar to that. And it almost feels that the, the main character monk is, he's sort of laughing to himself at how ludicrous this whole idea is. And then he, he starts pushing it further and further. And the, the, the book is called my pathology. And then he changes the T and the H in pathology to an F and and they think it's like some deep comment on like the, the, this kind of like gritty underclass okay. and then it, he sort of gets so annoyed there that the fact that they don't ask him to change the title he decides that he wants to change the title again and they're like oh what to he's like fuck <laughs> and they're like what is that like, yeah i'm going to call it fuck and they're like oh my god that's so deep it's so real and like, it is it, genuinely oh. i was in i was in a cinema of five people and i was in hysterics but you could tell that there were sort of like maybe a couple of the people in this cinema were really unsure of what they were allowed to laugh at and what they weren't, yeah. which was like wonderful for me watching on as well. But the, the other things that it, it kind of takes a swipe at, it has a dig at the, the media industry. It has a go at award ceremonies and the ludicrous nature of award ceremonies, how that basically if you put your name forward and buy a seat at a table, the chances are you might win an award, which I think a, a lot of people maybe don't realise, but that, that is literally how award ceremonies work in the most part. Like 95% of award ceremonies are a total fugazi, fugazi, it's a doozy, it's a woozy. Um, it looks at the importance of family. I, I loved the, the kind of stuff around family. It, it was really, really crucial that this wasn't just a film about a guy trying to get a book published, because I think it, it, it really goes right in a lot of the areas that a film like Air went wrong. I, I mean, I really, really enjoyed enjoyed Air, but people claimed that it was basically a film about trainers, right? And and for me, someone who's a massive sport head, it wasn't at all, but it clearly didn't capture people. This has like a really deep sort of family story, and it's really, really crucial as well, because... The family is is made up of of people like his brother is a doctor, his sister is a doctor. So already it's kind of flying in the face of so many of the stereotypes of what black families have been on screen mm. over the course of the last 
20, 30 years. Um, and, and the other thing that I loved within this was that the main character, and I know you and I have spoken about this at length so many times before, but it really is a study into the idea of what if you came across an idea that you knew was total bollocks, but if you put it forward, it would probably perform 100 times better than the things that you genuinely care about and find to be meaningful. And I loved that it kind of delved into that because it wasn't just about the idea of stereotypes of of um, of the black community or of black entertainment. It was also just about the idea of creativity in general and the yeah. way that creativity is moving in this current era that everyone, instead of doing things that they actually believe in, they go, or I should do this because it's going to A, be the right thing to do in inverted commas without even questioning whether it is the right thing to do. And then secondly, knowing that it will probably perform a hundred times better than something that you actually give a toss about. Um, it it really, really delves into the the kind of idea of those people in meetings, in boardrooms that we all know have come across and love the sound of how deep they are and these things that they believe in, even though they haven't got a clue. Um, the whole cast are amazing. Jeffrey Wright, brilliant. Leslie Uggams as, as um, Monk's mum. Sterling K. Brown as his brother. Uh, and Adam Brody in like a really funny heel turn as this sort of fundamentally unlikable twat. Um, and he's a, a film exec is is wonderful. The family scenes are amazing, um, and the comedy is, is is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, the one thing that is not to like in this film, the ending, I think, really really lets the film down. Ooh. And so, spoiler alert! Oh God, I don't want to spoil this for you as well. Oh, this is tough. Okay, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Yeah, once, we can't do spoiler alerts yeah. on the. Uh, on once you've watched out. it, yeah. once you've watched it, we'll go through the ending. All right. Safe to say, I just didn't enjoy the ending, and I felt that a film this good deserved an ending better than the one that it got. And in truth, I really, really struggled to understand what the ending was getting at because the film had done an incredible job of opening up conversations and opening up dialogue about what the right way is to behave when you feel that you are selling yourself short of your own standards. Okay. The, 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 the kind of like integrity required to kind of overcome something like that. Mm. The ending left me feeling a little shortchanged in itself, which okay. might have been the intention with it, but I'll be really, really interested to to see what what you think about it when when you get a chance to okay. say. But you will love it. It, it, it is that the ending doesn't kill the film for me. It's still a wonderful film, and I laughed so much. And I just, I honestly think Jeffrey Wright is he's magnificent in this. He is so so good. Um, and yeah, I I I I would definitely definitely go and see it again. It's that sort of film. If if I saw it was on like when it comes to streaming, I'll watch it again. I potentially would go to the cinema to watch it again. It's that good. Nice. Nice. So I've, I've really gone on for a long time there, but um, I'll tell you what, mate, take us through, take us through your other two. So we've got uh, Iron Claw and mm. we've also got, what's our other one to go into? Argyle. Yeah. Which yeah. was better. Nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll start on Iron Claw. Um it was better. <laughs> so we got a through Odeon again, not sponsored by Odeon, oh, but if Odeon want to sponsor us, they can. You got one of these. Got invited to one of their little member screening things. So sorry, maybe a week or so early, which was quite nice. Um, Iron Claw is a biopic, which I, I, I've been told now is biopic, not biopic. Um, right biopic of the story of of a wrestling family the von erics um who are yeah i mean they go down in history as one of these like huge wrestling institutions anybody who's a fan of you know sports entertainment pro wrestling maybe have heard of them i think they're hall of famers all that type I've, of thing. i've never come across them with you 
No, I hadn't. I'll, I'll be so honest. you didn't know the story going in? No, I had no idea what the story was whatsoever. Did, did um, that help? Was that a good thing? Yeah, I would say don't, don't, number one, don't look at the story. Don't find out anything about them before you watch this film. I mean, you know, you can if you want. You don't need to worry about spoilers. It is a biopic. Um, hang on. Yeah, biopic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got it wrong then. <laughs> uh, but I think it's still, you, you know, there's something about you're, you're watching a movie at the end of the day. So not knowing the twists and turns, if you like, is helps with the viewing experience, I would say. Um, so just as a quick sort of short, it mainly centers around Zac Efron's character, Kevin Von Erich. Zac Efron, who got absolutely jacked for this film. Ridiculous. But it's beyond jacked. He's like, he's... he's swole. Swole, isn't he? Like, he's massive. It's like someone is like, have you ever seen that bit in Bruce Almighty where Jim Carrey sort of like blows <laughs> on his thumb and just... Yeah. He looks like that. Yeah. As did uh, Jeremy Allen White, actually, the Bears. Jeremy Allen White, who plays Kerry Von Erich. Um, he's pretty tonk in this as Would well. Would you say that he's um, on a par with Mescal for Hot right now? Yeah, yeah. Sim- they, they occupy similar space, right? Yeah. That Brooding. Kind of... Oh, wow, he's broken. Maybe I could fix him. Yeah, oh, he's so cool, you know. Um... Don't let Christina and, and, and Charlotte hear us saying that. But, yeah. yeah, I've seen the Calvin Klein advert, put it that way. Yeah, wow. Uh, he's, he's got to have a pair of stocks down there, doesn't he? <laughs> At least a couple. Um, so it's, it's basically, it centers around these, the, these wrestling brothers. So I think you've got Kevin, Kerry, David, and there's another one as well, Mike. Um, so there's these lads and they're all sort of overseen by this dictatorial father, Fritz von Erich, who himself was, a professional wrestler in the early days of professional wrestling. He's always sort of been gutted. He never got his chance to be the world heavyweight champion. So he got ignored by the big leagues, by the, you know, I guess the WWF as it was known at the time. Um, so he sort of, he's, he's overseas this Texas league. He's one of the, he's been pretty instrumental in, in bringing professional wrestling, taking it to another level in Texas. Um, giving local wrestlers an opportunity, a pathway to the big leagues, to the WWF and everything like that, putting on these big events, putting on tournaments, allowing wrestlers to be paid. So in his own right, he's a, a dedicated and very driven man and a, a, you know, a, a man that loves the sport of wrestling very much. But that manifests in a pretty toxic and I would say abusive relationship to his sons in which he pushes them to the furthest possible extremes of what they are capable of in order to realize the dream he never did, really. It's that classic old tale. Um, But as they soon come to find out, there's always been this sort of old wives' tale in the family that the Von Eriks, the family, are cursed, that the name is cursed. and things start to unfold in in their lives. So I don't want to say in the film because this is based on true events in their lives that, you know, you, you start to wonder, is this an act of, um, what is it? Self-fulfilling prophecy or, you know, is there something else at play kind of thing? Or is it just purely bad luck or, or whatever happens? But it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant film. It's very, I've got to say, Zac Efron is is amazing. He's really, really good. Um, Lily James plays Pam, his wife in the movie. Um, they have a very good on-screen chemistry. There's a, there's a whole range of emotions in here. There's a whole range of topics, all the sorts of things it explores. Um, <clears throat> be that kind of, you know, the generational trauma, be that kind of toxic masculinity, for want of a better word, um, and just brotherly love, fraternal love, you know, like um, the bonds that that these lads have, that they're kind of all in it together, as desperate as their father is to have them competing against one another for his affection, um, to be the best, to one of them to make it to the WWF, to be heavyweight champion, 
they still maintain that they are brothers and they all sort of have a lot of love for one another. And it's, it's, it's very, it's very tenderly um, played out on screen. It's also very funny. It's a very funny film. It's very sharp. Um, and I would say, unlike, cause you know, like I often say, like with biopics, you can kind of sense the beats of them. You sort of know where they're going. I think if anything, this kind of breaks away from that a little bit. Um, I think they've, I think they've managed to make this a a movie, really. Um, and I guess if you, if you do know the story, if you know the story of the you know the Iron Claw of the Von Erichs, this will probably resonate with you more um, in in some ways. But I think anybody can enjoy this film, even if you don't really like or have any interest. I don't. I don't have any interest in in WWF, WWE, as they call it now. I haven't been interested in that since I was a child. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I enjoyed this film. It's great. It's a, it's a great sort of look at, you know, one of the big things is always wrestling's fake, right? It's not real. And it shows you, it really is. Like these lads, the, you, you don't look that way that these wrestlers look by not being a sportsman, by not dedicating every waking hour to you know making yourself not i don't want to say better but to making yourself stronger faster quicker I mean, more powerful even just, even just to be in this film in the shape that they're in yeah you imagine the amount of work that they've had to to do just to be in the film you know imagine that's like you every day of the year every day of the year for a wrestling career of what, 15 years? It's well, insane. And, and it shows you for everyone saying it's fake. It shows you the very real toll that mm. wrestling takes upon these guys' bodies, their minds, all of it. Um, it's yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, go and see it. I would say basically go and watch um, it in the cinema, go see it. It's, it's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's, that's, I think that might be next on the list for me. Um, Takes into our girl because I was genuinely, I really, really thought from. No, I, I'm not going to say confession, but I watching the trailers for this, I genuinely thought this was a crap perfume advert a few times when it came on. Yeah, seeing Dua Lipa kind of like going there dancing with Henry Cavill, I was like, "What is this gubbin?" And it really put me off going to see it. It was on at the same time today as America Fiction, and I was like, no way. Well, it's, I don't know if you, have you ever watched any of the Kingsman films? Yeah. Yeah. It's Matt so Vaughan, Ar- isn't it? Yeah. Argyle exists within the sort of Kingsman universe, if you like. Um, I'll be honest, I've watched, I think I've watched one of the Kingsman films, and I thought it was okay. I watched, the, I think I watched the first one, Taron Egerton. I was like, this is kind of fun. I get it. It's a kind of play on the James Bond thing. It's it's kind of it meets in the middle of James Bond and Austin Powers. You know, it's 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 somewhere between the two of them. Um and Argyle is very much in that same brand of things, in that same kind of theme, right? It, uh, the kind of the 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 cheesy perfume advert stylings of it are very much intentional. The film is firmly tongue in cheek throughout the whole thing. Um, just as a quick up, like rundown of the thing, it's basically based around a, a reclusive author called Ellie Conway. It's placed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is, you know, she's something of like a, a JK Rowling type figure who has this long running, secret agent series, secret agents, like book series called Argyle. Um, the movie opens on her on a kind of book signing, a book reading, you know, hundreds of fans there all there for the release of the new book. Um, what starts to unfold as the film goes on is that a lot of the events and a lot of the, well, not so much the characters, but the events that she starts to detail in her books start to get the interest of certain people because people are like, how, how does she know this? How does this Ellie Conway know this? Because this is exactly what played out in 
2012 when we all went and did that mission somewhere. Um, so you have both the goodies and the baddies, both like, who is this Ellie Conway and how does she know all of this stuff? Um, so the movie is basically Ellie Conway, who is struggling to, she's, she's got the last one of her books to write. She's got the last episode of Argyle to write and she hits this massive writer's block. She doesn't know where she's going to take the where she's going to take the book, how to finish it. Um, so says I'm going to go. She calls up her mum, who seems to be like her muse of sorts, and her mum says, "Look, come on, get on the train, come down and visit us. We can hash it out. You can take me through what you got so far, and all this type of thing." She's you'll see this in the trailer. She's on the train going back to her parents' house when suddenly. <clears throat> Um, a guy called Aiden, who is played by Sam Rockwell, comes and sits opposite her, starts talking to her, tells her he loves her book, and then drops the old, okay, when I tell you to grab onto me, I'm going to need you to grab onto me. And just so you know, there are some people coming to kill you kind of thing. Um, and she's like, what? What's going on? And from this point, as you'd imagine, arm henchmen start storming down the train. He beats the crap out of them all. They have a big fight. They have a big set piece. And this is the sort of vein that the film goes throughout this whole time is Ellie Conway with this secret agent, um, Aiden Wilde, who, you know, she is, who is, he, he reminds her of Argyle more and more and more. Argyle being the sort of central figure of her books, this secret agent. Um, and so the film is kind of an exploration of her finding out more about who this Aiden character is, how she's gotten this um, inspiration for Argyle and what her role in this whole big thing that's going on around her is. Um, now, the film has been absolutely panned critically. I think it was oh, sat it? on about 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say then... It's way better than it's like way better than you you could have predicted sort of thing. Actually, I was getting well, quite into the idea of. That. But, but no, but mate, this this is where I was going to go because I was going to say the film's been absolutely pan critically on Rotten Tomatoes, twenty three percent. I left that film thinking because I saw that on Rotten Tomatoes, I thought okay, expectations are low, so maybe that helps in a way. But I did leave that film thinking that's harsh. I don't I don't yeah. see that as being look. I'm not going to sit here and say this is a masterpiece. I'm not going to sit here and say this film's actually great. What I am going to sit here and say is that have I had a worse experience in the cinema than this? Plenty of times. Is this the type of film that you can sit down on, as I often say, on a Friday night, massive bucket of popcorn, two-liter Fanta, that won't that will barely fit into your armrest, right? <laughs> and you can sit there, have a laugh, and not think, oh, I can't wait for that, because it's going to be on Apple TV soon enough. It's an Apple movie. I'm not sat here thinking, I can't wait for this to drop on Apple so I can watch it again. However, did I sit there and enjoy it pretty much start to finish? Yeah, I think I did. So did Charlotte, who was sat with me. Um, it was It was fun. You know, and I think I think sometimes, right, I do think sometimes, and I think increasingly so, and I don't know if this is because of the scrutiny of social media um, where everyone feels like they're in the spotlight constantly, but I think there's a, there's a sort of growing thing really with a lot of film critics in general where – Look, the way the way I can uh, the only way I can say this is not every film needs to be a perfect work of art, right? Some movies can just be silly and can be stupid and can just be good fun to watch then and there in that moment. Sit down for two hours and forget your worries and strife, sink into a thing of popcorn and just watch a few silly one-liners and a few explosions and a few little funny comedy action set pieces on screen because that's what this movie is you know um if i if i am to be slightly critical about it 
I think it's a bit too long. I don't think it needed to be as long as it as as it was. It actually comes in at two hours and nineteen minutes. I didn't wow. really realize it was even that long. Don't think it needed to be that long. And I think it's well, in my opinion, it's final act. Even for a film that is kind of funny and a bit silly, just gets a bit too messy, a bit too over the, <clears throat> a bit too over the shop, and they don't quite land it. I don't think they quite landed what they were setting out to do. But did that mean I really enjoyed it much less? No, it was fine. It was a good movie. I think that, <coughs> I think that is, um, I think that's becoming more and more of a thing within the film industry. That I, I mean, we I've heard a lot of people speak about it recently. That it's harder and harder to get films made anyway let alone films that are not your kind of absolute blockbusters, the ones that are kind of, mm. you, you can't have a Barbenheimer every weekend, you know? Sometimes no. it's okay just to go and sit and be sort of taken somewhere on a six, seven out of ten. That's why I was, um, what was the, 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 the film that we sort of gave a good talk up to um, about the, the kind of, the, the film about stocks and shares, the GameStop film? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the name, but I, I know mean that tells you a lot in itself. That I can't actually remember the the actual name of the film. Yeah. Um. But it was it was perfectly like uh, dumb money, dumb money. Yeah. Perfectly like fine Friday night, long week, sit down, get transported elsewhere, and just enjoy it. And I I I, I think that's absolutely fine. And it sounds a lot better than I was giving it credit for off the back of the trailer. I tell you what, we'll do to finish up, mate, if you want. Out of the films that you saw, what was the the finest wine that you you drank this week? Uh, all of us strangers. And who was the MVP across the three films that you saw? Oof. Let's give it Andrew Scott. Let's give it Andrew Scott to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, and I would equally, I'd say, if you it's if between you him have, and Zac Efron, that's that that's that's what I'd say. If you do have a bit of time over the course of the next few days, one to watch this weekend, American Fiction is is good crack as well. Um, yeah, some really, really good films. Okay, so we'll leave it there on this pod. Don't worry. We are going to get stuck into Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It's coming. Uh, make sure you've seen it so that by the time that you uh, get into the pod, it just absolutely rams it, rams it right down your mush of all of the, the good stuff that's coming your way. Um, we will be right back with another episode for you. In the meantime, follow on the socials at Pod. And we will see you all next time.